The title of my sermon today is, I Guess I'll Have to Change My Plans. That's a topic uh, that we've all been learning a lot this month of April. And our first text comes from the life of Moses, the very end of his life, where he has a big change in his plans. His whole life he had been longing to see the promised land, the land that was offered to his ancestors. And he'd hoped to do that, but as we can see, it didn't happen. Deuteronomy chapter 34. Then Moses went up from the plains of Moab to Mount Nebo, to the top of Pisgah, which is opposite Jericho. And the Lord showed him the whole land, Gilead as far as Dan, all Naphtali, the land of Ephraim and Manasseh, the land of Judah as far as the western sea, the Negeb, the plain that is, the valley of Jericho, the city of palm trees, as far as Zoar. And the Lord said to him, This is the land which I swore to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, saying, I will give it to your descendants. I have let you see it with your eyes, but you shall not cross over there. Then Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in the land of Moab at the Lord's command. He was buried in a valley in the land of Moab opposite Beth Per, but no one knows where his burial place is to this day. Moses was 120 years old when he died. His sight was unimpaired, and his vigor had not abated. The Israelites wept for Moses in the plains of Moab 30 days. Then the period of mourning for Moses was ended. Our New Testament scripture comes from the letter to the Hebrews. And in that letter, there is a long list of heroes of the faith from the Old Testament. A whole list of all the, great, the greatest people in the Old Testament. And then it says this about them. In chapter 11, all these died in faith without having received the promises, but from a distance they saw and greeted them. They confessed that they were strangers and foreigners on the earth, for people who speak in this way make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of the land that they had left behind, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God. Indeed, he has prepared a city for them. May the Lord bless to our hearts and our minds this reading of his word. In the corner of my memory, there is a line from a play written by Sherwood Anderson, I believe. And in this play... Someone is talking about the fact that Jesus picks up all the stray lambs in the world and carries them home in his bosom. And one of the other characters in the play says, I'll show you some lambs Jesus missed. That phrase has haunted me all these years. I think of it when I see the dimension in life that we call the tragic. It's the greatest challenge the greatest affront to anyone who is a religious believer. The hard fact is that not every story has a happy ending. Not every effort is rewarded with success. Not every prayer is answered. Not all events in life make sense. And not all pain is redemptive. You say Jesus takes all the lambs and carries them home in his bosom? I'll show you a few that Jesus missed. 
I'll show you the tragic dimension of life. There are some forms of Christianity that avoid dealing with the tragic side of life. You become a Christian and you gain God as a cosmic bellboy, making sure that everything in life turns out the way you want it. But I think real religion deals with the tragic dimension in life, and I would like to talk with you about that this morning. One of the things uh, concerning the pandemic is that it's, it's been revealed to us how random life is. There's an office full of people and they're exposed, but one person gets the disease and another person doesn't. Two people of the same age, one has very mild symptoms, the other dies. We have seen the randomness of life around us. And one of the things that I think can help us make sense of that is to read the Bible. The Bible talks about the real world. There is what could be called biblical realism, honesty about the tragic dimension of human existence. We remember Jesus' last words, his words on the cross before he was killed. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Paul prayed to be relieved of a thorn in the flesh that he had. He prayed so often for that, but it was not taken away. The Old Testament prophets, they wept for the people and prayed for God to come and renew the nation, but he didn't come. Job, the story of Job shows how a righteous man can suffer all kinds of terrible things. The righteous, we find out, do not always prosper. And then we come to Moses, the scene from our Old Testament lesson. Moses was a stutterer, and he was never cured of it. He was raised as an Egyptian prince, but when he grew up, his conscience compelled him to become a slave. Then he became a prosperous rancher with a pretty wife, but God called him to be a nomad for 40 years. And now, at the end of his life, in the scene that is depicted in our text, he's 120 years old. He spent his whole life waiting to enter the promised land. The least you would expect is that God would let him go over the river Jordan and kiss the soil or something. But no, God takes him up to Mount Nebo on the far side of the Jordan, the other side of the promised land. And he says, I'll let you see the promised land, but you're not going to get there. His time was up. Then in our New Testament lesson, the letter to the Hebrews, a summary of all these heroes, it says that they all died in faith, not having received what was promised. And these words come like the fourth movement of the symphony that picks up all the previous themes and resolves them into a triumphant conclusion. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God. Biblical realism, the recognition that there is a tragic dimension to this life, the Bible doesn't try to hide it or cover it up with cliches and platitudes. There are some lambs that Jesus misses. That's where we begin. Secondly, in this context of biblical realism, we can see what faith really means. For faith is the model that is given to us in Hebrews. That's what we have to live with in this life. And we see that according to the Hebrews letter, faith means the courage to keep on going when your plans cannot be fulfilled. It doesn't mean having your plans and dreams fulfilled. 
Faith doesn't mean you're going to be protected from the pain and sorrow in this life. Faith does not guarantee you get what you want. Faith is what keeps you going when it becomes clear that what you want is never going to happen. You can put yourself in Moses' place on Mount Nebo. It happens to most people at some time in their life. You go up to your own Mount Nebo when you realize that the marriage that you had such great hopes for is not going to make it. It's not going to be the way you thought it would be at all. You go up to Mount Nebo when the vocational choice you had worked so hard all your life for is suddenly closed to you, and it's closed forever. You go up to the mountain when you love someone more than anything in the world, and they are taken from you. You go up there when you have some physical limitation come upon you that means you cannot fulfill your life the way you had hoped and planned to. It's true that sometimes the bad things that happen to us happen because we deserve them. But more often than not, they just happen. They just happen. There's no rhyme or reason. And when they do, we can be tempted to fall into two kinds of despair. First, there's this despair of resignation. That is to give up and withdraw from life, to hold no more great dreams for fear of being hurt again. It's like the person who is hurt in love and says, I'm never going to love again because I don't want to feel this kind of pain again. Or there is the despair of defiance, which means you go through the rest of your life angry at the world for cheating you out of the prize that you felt like you deserved in life, picking out evidence here and there to prove that you've been dealt a poor hand. You become a grievance collector, blaming all your troubles on those in your own house and even God, the despair of defiance. But there's a better way. It's the way of faith. It's faith as it is defined in Hebrews. And that is to pick up your life with courage and start dreaming again, start moving again, start planning again, and start loving again. That's what faith is. And Hebrews says that those who hold to it, God is not ashamed to be their God. Our title comes from an old song by Frank Sinatra. I guess I'll have to change my plans. One of the verse says, Before I knew where I was at, I found myself up on the shelf, and that was that. I guess I'll have to change my plans. I don't know about you, but is this what you thought April was going to look like in your calendar? We've all had a lot of plan changing to do this month. And when people find themselves on the shelf, they can choose despair, either in fear or anger. But those who choose faith climb down off the shelf. They change their plans. They begin to move again and to make the most of a tough situation. And that brings us to the next lesson from the context of biblical realism. And that is that the purpose of your life is not to possess things, but to become somebody. It's been said so many times, it's almost hackneyed, but our life today has created distorted expectations of what life can give you. Like spoiled children, we expect to get whatever we want in this life. Our culture, especially in advertising, has told us that we have a right to things, 
that people at other times never even dreamed about. And then when we expect God to support our expectations, we're headed for despair. I had a long list of groceries last week when I went to Safeway, and I was able to get everything on my list except for one thing. Yes, toilet paper is very important. But then I realized that it was only invented in the year 1857, which means that everybody prior to that had to get along somehow. You know, I heard a psychologist who, whenever one of his clients would complain about the unfairness of life, he said, take out your contract and show me in the small print where it says that life guarantees you anything. Well, it's a bit harsh, but the point is the problem lies in what we expect. If we expect to possess great things and hold on to them in life, we're going to be disappointed. But if we expect to become great persons, there's not anything in this life that can keep us from that goal. I don't know if you ever thought about it, but the, the people who came out west during the 1800s, the pioneers who walked all the way across the Great Plains and climbed over the Rocky Mountains and came down and settled the state of California, they had more in common with Moses 3,000 years ago than they do with us today, just a few generations away. The difference is in what we expect from life. Until the last few generations, people expected life to be a tough journey, to be a pilgrimage, to encounter pain and toil and difficulties and dangers. They didn't expect life to be anything else. And for that reason, I believe those people were able to read the Bible and get more out of it than we do. Because they knew the Bible does not say that this world is the Garden of Eden. It says we are in exile from the Garden. It doesn't say this world is the Promised Land. It says that we are not in the Promised Land. We're journeying to the Promised Land. It doesn't say this world is the Kingdom of God. It says we are waiting for the Kingdom of God. In other words, the Bible does not promise you a perfect world. It promises you sustenance as you move toward it. In the Old Testament, when the children of Israel were wandering in the desert, God gave them manna, bread from heaven, but only enough for each day. Not a week's worth. And when Jesus taught us the Lord's Prayer, he said we should pray, Lord, give us this day our daily bread. Just enough bread for today. I've added a line to the Lord's Prayer. Lord, give us this day our daily toilet paper. Not a four-pack, just enough paper for today. When you don't expect a lot, everything in life becomes grace. And you can live gratefully and thankfully. That's biblical realism. It says that there are conflicts and fears in this life, no matter what you avoid. That life is not a matter of what you possess, it's a matter of what you become. And if that's true, then conflicts and fears without you will not deprive you of life. In fact, they may become the means of your achieving it. That's why Miguel de Unamuno, in his famous book, The Tragic Sense of Life, wrote these words. May God deny you peace, but give you glory. Biblical realism defines faith as courage. And it says that our purpose in this life is not to possess things, 
but to become great people. God did not say that he was a God of settlers. God is the, not the God of those who sit on the shelf. He's the God of pioneers and pilgrims. He's the God of those who change their plans and keep on moving. Amen.